Our Father in heaven, you are great. You have saved us and made us alive in Christ, and this morning we celebrate that. And as we open your word together, we pray that you would remind us of how great you are, that you would uh, show us your words to us, that they might speak to our hearts, and we might understand the fullness of what you have called us to. And we ask this in your name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we finally get to start the book of Romans. I was prepared to do this on January 8th, and then we got snowed out. And then um, because of all of the weather and stuff, we had decided we weren't going to start uh, Romans last week, which was a good thing because the water pipes broke, and so we didn't end up having a, a sermon at all last week. And now, finally, we get to begin. But I have to warn you, it's been three weeks since my last sermon, and I've got a lot of stuff built up, ready to just bring. Uh, But are you a preface and introduction person, or let's skip right over that and get straight into it kind of a person? I'm talking about books. You remember those things that we used to read? Yeah, the preface, right? This is how the author intends for you to understand and read this book. This is where it comes from, right? Some of you don't like to do that part of the reading because you don't feel like that's actually the content. And let's just jump straight into the content part of the book, right? And so you're going to be a little bit disappointed this morning, I'm afraid, Uh, Because as we begin this study in the book of Romans, I feel like it really is important to do the preface and introduction part. That that we understand the context for this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, uh, or otherwise we're not really going to understand what's going on, right? Kind of like when um, you're digging through some old papers, you know, that filing system that you have, which is really just a box, at home, and so as you're digging through that and you pull out this piece of paper and you realize this is like the second or third piece of paper that used to have a staple in it, and what was this? It sort of starts, and I'm reading it, but I'm not really tracking, ah, maybe this was one of the kids' homework assignments? Why did I save this again? What, what's going on here, right? If we, if we jump straight into the content of the book of Romans, we're going to miss the whole thing. Because Paul, the apostle, is writing to the church at Rome a letter that ex, ex, um, explains the gospel, that is the good news about Jesus, to that church and addresses particular needs that they have in the church at, in Rome, Right? And this letter now we have in the Bible, and so if you've been reading through the Bible and you get to the book of Romans, you have a whole context, the entire Old Testament and the life of Jesus, before you get to the letter to the Romans. If you jump straight in at the book to the Romans, then you've missed all that. So let me try to give you a catch up. This is what I was going to do last week. I was going to use Hebrews 11. It was going to be beautiful. I'm sorry that you missed it. 
but I was going to use Hebrews 11 to go through the people of faith through the Old Testament that lead us in anticipation for Christ and the gospel as presented in the book of Romans. Um, so let me give you a quick abbreviated version of this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's Genesis. That's where the whole thing starts. He created the world and everything in it, and it was good, and it was wonderful, and he put man and woman there in the garden to be the caretakers. Special, unique, out of all creation, they were to have relationship with him, and they were to be the caretakers of the rest of his creation. And it was going to be beautiful, and it was going to be wonderful, except that they did not fully believe him when he said, I love you and have your best in mind. And so they were disobedient. They said, no, I think that we'll sin instead. We will take the fruit from the tree that was forbidden from us. And from that point, sin entered the world and there has been division between people and God. From that point on. And it talks about it in Genesis chapter 3 when, when God is talking with them about the consequences of their actions and He says, now there's going to be enmity, there's going to be strife between your offspring and the offspring of the serpent. But one day, one day, your offspring will crush His head. And so there's an anticipation of this promise that is waiting that this strife that we have with sin that separates us from God will someday be dealt with, but we're waiting for that to happen. That's what, how the book of Genesis begins. That's how the Bible begins. And then further on in Genesis, God calls Abraham to himself and he says, your descendants will be my people and I will be their God and I'm going to have a special relationship with them. This is my covenant to you. This is my promise to you. And so we follow through the rest of the Old Testament the descendants of Abraham and this promise that he has made to them. He reiterates that promise to Abraham's son Isaac and to his grandson Jacob, who is renamed Israel and becomes the nation of Israel. Israel uh, has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. They are given a, a special place, a land. So that they can be God's people in God's place with God's presence. But they also are unfaithful. And there's separation between them and God. And God says, you know what? This isn't going to work. You can't stay here because you are not being faithful to me. I'm going to kick you out of the land. But there will be a promise that one day you will return. We have some prophets who prophesy and tell the people, return, repent. Repent and return to God. Remember that He will come back. But that isn't fulfilled until we get to Jesus and the beginning of the New Testament when God Himself becomes a man so that He can bring God, uh, His people back to Himself and have reconciliation. He, uh, Jesus then, God as man, sends out his disciples and says, okay, now, this is the good news. That I have come to reconcile man with God by removing their sin, and you now have to bring this message to the ends of the earth. And so they go, and uh, the next person that we see in the book of Acts, right? So I'm moving pretty quickly here now. We've gone through the Gospels, we've gone all the way to Acts, we're almost to Romans, I promise. The next person that we see is Paul. 
Paul was completely against everything that he was hearing about Jesus and Jesus' followers. Because he felt like they were pulling uh, people away from Judaism. And he said, this, is, this can't happen. This, we have to stop this. And he was trying to help the other religious leaders put an end to this. He's going, this has to stop. All of these people that are following the way, all of these people who are following Jesus, we have to put an end to this. We have to stop this because they're distracting the true Jews, the true Israelites, and they're pulling them away. We have to bring them back. And as he's on his way to go and persecute uh, the church of Jesus and put an end to them, he's met on the road. A flash of light and a voice from heaven says, Why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And Paul begins to have a transformation in who he is and his understanding of the promises of the Old Testament and their realization in Jesus and going, Oh! It was all fulfilled in Jesus! Everything we have anticipated the forgiveness of sin and the reconciliation with God and we's being called as His people, that's all in Jesus. And he went immediately from being passionate for the Jewish church and persecuting Christians to being one of them and proclaiming Jesus. And going around and saying, this is the message that has to go out. The message that Jesus is the good news that takes care of our sin and reconciles us with God. We have got to tell people about this. Not just Jews, but Greeks too. Anybody who will listen all the way to the ends of the earth, everybody needs to know this message. And he just went around and started planting church after church after church. All over, he's planting churches and proclaiming this message. And helping people understand from the Scriptures that Jesus is the promised one. And he hears about these people in Rome who are becoming Christians and are starting to form a church. And he's, he really wants to go and visit them, but he can't get there just yet. Because he's busy. He's busy taking care of the church in other places and planting new churches on the way. And, but he wants to go there and he wants to let them know that he wants to get there. Because he's heard about some things that they're dealing with, that they're struggling with. Particularly some of the issues of Judaism and, and um, being a Greek and how do those things mix. What, what are the lines and, and stuff in there? I, they're trying to figure that out. And what is the gospel really? And so he writes them this letter in anticipation of going there eventually, but just in the meantime to help them understand the gospel. So that's what this is. Paul writing them a letter. That's where it fits in the story of the scriptures. Now, why are we talking about this book right now? I mean, last year we did the book of Genesis. It seems like a pretty random jump, right, to go from Genesis to Romans. But the reason that we as a church want to study the book of Romans right now is because throughout Romans are very clear articulations of the gospel. The good news about who Jesus is and why it's good news. And we want to go through this and have it be so clear for you that you in your mind 
are really clear on what the gospel is. And if somebody was to ask you about it, you could explain it to them very clearly because we've gone through it. I'm hoping, too, that as we go through it, you'll get so excited about it that you will passionately share it with everybody. That you, like Paul, will go, this is the kind of good news that everybody needs to know about. Everybody should know about this. I would love to have like four of you get so fired up about this that you want to go plant a church. We'll do whatever we can to help you do that. Because that's the kind of message that is in the book of Romans. So, let's begin. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the introduction of Paul. That's who's writing the letter. The thing that he wants you to know, the thing he wants the church at Rome to know first about him is that he is a servant of Christ Jesus. He used to be a persecutor of Christ. Now he's a servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. He could have said a man of Christ, a follower of Christ, a lover of Christ a proclaimer of Christ, but he's a servant of Christ, a slave of Christ. We we miss this sometimes as we're studying the Bible. The, The references to Lord, the references to servanthood or slavehood, those aren't real popular things for us to talk about, but Paul embraces this. Jesus is the master. He is the slave. Obeying Jesus, following Jesus is not optional. He's indebted to him. And he will be obedient. And whatever Jesus calls him to do, asks him to do, Paul will do it. Because that's his role. To follow Jesus in everything. First is Jesus, then is Paul. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. He says, I, I, am, I am called to this. I'm not making this up. I didn't invent a job for me to do. But I'm a servant of Christ and this is what Jesus has called me to do. He's asked me to do this. To be an apostle, one who is sent and set apart for the gospel of God. This gospel of God Verse 2, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. 
was concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. If you have been in the church for a while and you uh, read your Bible regularly and you read these things, it's very easy to go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yep, was pro- promised beforehand according to the prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, great. When do we get to the content part? Yes, yes, yes. I know who Jesus is. Thank you very much. When are you going to tell us something that we don't know? But let, let's, let's slow down a little bit. Because here are some things that sometimes I feel that we get challenged by, we get challenged on, but we don't think about. Right? You have faith. You have faith in who Jesus is. You already know. Why? Why do you believe? Because... It was promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. For Paul, this is of utmost importance. This is the reason that he was persecuting Christ to begin with, was because he was so zealous, so passionate for the Scriptures of God. God is the one who always has been and always is the unchanging Lord of the universe who has communicated to us through His Scriptures. Those ones that are set apart from all other writings. This is not a normal book. These are the Holy Scriptures of God. And Paul is passionate about them. Because he has promised things. He has explained how things work and who he is and righteousness and sin. And he's explained all of that. And once he is convinced that Jesus is the one that is being promised, now he's passionate about Jesus too. Because of the foundation of the Scriptures that were promised beforehand. But the Bible wasn't written as one book start to finish. It was written in pieces. Little by little. Over a long period of time. Centuries. By multiple people as they're writing down the history of God's people in each next piece. And Paul's looking back at all of that history and the way that it builds. He's going, yeah. This is what it's been pointing to all along. The promise promised beforehand through the Holy Scriptures. This is what was coming. It was about His Son. God's Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Why is that important? Because God had promised David, the great King David, the one who was over Israel when there was peace, and he was the one who uh, sort of founded Israel in in a real healthy sense. A man after God's own heart, the one God had called to be king, he had promised that David that he would always have a descendant on the throne. 
And so they were waiting for that. And this is Paul saying, and Jesus is the one. He is the descendant of David we've been waiting for. According to the flesh. Just historically speaking. You see, I I don't want us to get the idea that this is somehow fairy tales that somebody created and and wrote down. Oh, that's a really nice story and it really resonates with me and so I'm going to believe that. This is history. Flesh and blood history, things that happened. Jesus was a real man who walked and talked and taught. And was crucified. And was buried. And rose from the dead. And these are things that happened historically. They're the foundation of the Gospel. If we jump over all of this, we jump over the whole preface and introduction to get right into the content, we miss the foundation for everything. And this is the foundation that it was promised beforehand in the Scriptures, then that He actually lived and was a descendant of David just as was prophesied. And then was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. How often do you think about Jesus' resurrection from the dead? You know, on Easter. It's good to think about it on Easter. Otherwise, we think a lot about the cross, the crucifixion, His death and how His death paid for our sin, but how do we know that? How do we know that He defeated death and sin in His death on the cross? How do we know that He is who He claimed to be? It's through His resurrection, which proclaims it in power. There are good reasons to believe. Biblical reasons, historical reasons, and then this resurrection reason to believe that Jesus is who He said He was. It fits. The anticipation of the Scriptures, the, uh, the, the words of God through the Holy Spirit and through the Scriptures, and historically what happened with Jesus. And because of all of that, because of all of that foundation, then verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. Through whom we have received grace. Well, let's stop there. Through Him we have received grace. It's the first thing we got. Jesus was the one-time sacrifice who died from our sins and then rose again from the dead. And so through Him we receive grace. This grace is explained to us in Romans 6.23. Who's got Romans 6.23 written on the back of their hand? Not anymore. Not anymore. The reason that I ask that is because on January 1st, when we were in this building, I asked you to write Romans 6.23 on the back of your hand until it was memorized. So the fact that nobody has it written on the back of their hand means that everybody has it memorized, right? Daniel, can you put it up just in case that they struggle? (laughs) For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. That is, uh, 
what we deserve, what we earn through our sin is death. But because Jesus died, the free gift of God is eternal life instead. A new life that happens within us right now and carries on forever. A new spiritual life that happens in us right now and carries on forever. And that comes in Christ Jesus our Lord. One verse. The whole thing right there. This is the grace that we receive. Let's read it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You think we can take it down and recite it without seeing it? Let's try it. Can you take it down? Alright. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pretty good. We're going to remember that one, right? If you, if you don't feel real comfortable about that one yet, write Romans 6.23 on the back of your hand so you remember to look it up later. And we can work on it some more. But in Romans uh, 1, verse 5, it says, Through whom we have received grace, that is the free gift of God instead of the wages of sin, and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. We've been given this commissioning. Paul specifically is saying, this is my commissioning. I've received grace and I've received apostleship to bring out about the obedience of faith for the sake of God's name among the nations. It's for the honor of His name. It's for the glory of His name among all the nations that I have been sent, that they might have the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. The gift is free, but what we are called to is this position of servanthood to our Lord Jesus, faithful obedience to Him. There will be some kind of change, some sort of transformation in us, some reorienting, reprioritizing our lives. So that first is Him, and then is us. And we would expect that everything that we do would be in obedience to Him. Because He's the Lord of the universe. The Master and Ruler of everything. Everything revolves around Him. And so Paul says, we have this so that we might bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. We were sent everywhere that everyone might hear this good news and might also become obedient followers of Christ. And because we have been sent everywhere, we've been sent to you. Because you're part of everywhere. This is including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. All of you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I I want you to know. I want you to know 
that God loves you, that he has called you, that his grace is extended to you, that you might have peace from him and with him, from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. That's the beginning of the book. That's the preface, the introduction. And as we continue through the rest of the book, we're going to begin to see the content as he explains this from different angles, in different ways that we can understand what really is the good news of Jesus and how does it uh, change us to follow him. And as we do that, there are going to be many different places in here that are going to help us think about how do we relate to other people? How do we relate to the sinners? How do we relate to each other? How do we deal with sin? Who are we? It's going to deal with all of those things, but we're going to have to wait until we get past the introduction, which begins next week. So I would encourage you to come back next week. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we are so grateful that you are gracious, that you are good, that as master of the universe, you see our sin and our rebellion against you and respond by extending grace to us in the form of your Son, Jesus. Who took the penalty for our sin upon Himself. That when we believe, we might have eternal life through Him with you. And Father, we just marvel at that. And ask, would you help us to understand that, that we might rejoice and delight in you and be confident to share that with others, that they also might believe this good news. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.